The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. You're listening to Various Women on Resonance 104.4 FM, where Resonance's self-proclaimed premier female-fronted chat show with Luce in the name. Um, <laughs> as every week, we've got Leo. Hi. And this week, we've got a special guest, Ren Aldridge from Petro Girls. Hello. Hey. I want to check really quickly. Is it Petro Girls or the Petro Girls? Because last week, everyone in the studio made fun of me when I was talking, when I was referring to the band as the All Saints instead of All Saints. They weren't actually <laughs> in the studio. They weren't a house band, but... Let's just check. The or no the? No the. Okay. Just petrol sense. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that band a bit later. But I want to ask all of us, what is the least punk thing you've ever done? Because I kind of understand that you're in a bit of a punk band. What's the least punk thing you've ever done? Well, mine's not ever. It's just like quite relevant to today. Because I went into my flatmate's room thinking that she'd been like smoking a lot of weed over the past three weeks. This has been a constant issue for Leo. She's been saying, I really hate the smell. I really don't like it. I feel really uncomfortable. My house stinks of weed, but I just don't know what to do. What should I do? And I was kind of like, just talk to your housemate. Just talk to your housemate. I went in to be like, oh, I should probably talk to her until I just don't like the smell. And I go in and it's incense. It's woodland incense. (laughs) And the whole time. I couldn't tell the difference because I'm such an idiot. Um, And she's like, oh, it's just incense. And I'm like, oh. And they completely changed like what the smell was to me just by knowing that it was incense. It's really weird because I'm so judgmental about weed. It's really awful. Um, so that taught me a lesson. And I'm really, really, really sorry to my housemates. Unless she's really good at cover-ups. And actually, she kind of sensed that was going to happen. So got the incense out. And it's like, oh, it's just the woodland vibes. Um, <laughs> no, it's definitely the incense. It definitely is. Now that I've smelt it a bit more, I'm like, oh, that is incense. It's not weed. Yeah. Um, what about you, Ren? What's the least punk thing you've ever done? I don't know about I don't know about the least punk thing ever, but I think literally yesterday I apologised to my grandma on my Instagram for swearing publicly. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet. Did she accept your apology? I don't know. We haven't <gasps> spoken about it. I think it will probably be one of those things where we just gloss over it. Might just hang in the air. Um, my least punk thing I think is that when I was about yeah when I turned sixteen. So for like a whole year I've been wanting to get my lip pierced, and I was like the day I turn sixteen I'm gonna get my lip pierced. It's gonna be super cool. My mom doesn't want me to. She can't tell me what to do. Whatever. The day before I said like mom, you know where I'm going tomorrow. Like trying to be all cool, and um, she was just like oh no you're not getting it done. And she got like kind of worked up, and then she decided she'd come with me. So she actually came. So something that was kind of supposed to be like really cool and rebellious, my mom came with me. And like the guy who pierced my lip was like this massive guy, like just huge guy, skinhead guy, like really, really sweet. Um, but yeah, when he was doing it, he like pierced my lip. And my mom watched the whole thing quite terrified and then just turned to this massive guy and said, isn't she the bravest girl you've ever seen? <laughs> and he, he like really sweetly was like, yeah, yeah, no, she is. It was really, really nice. Anyway, yeah, it was definitely not punk or cool at all. <laughs> Moving back to um, Petrol Girls, Noza, um, can you tell us a bit about the band, like how it came about? So in terms of like how the band started, I used to run house shows at the place I was living and every year we did one for International Women's Day. Um, and the band I was in at the time couldn't do it and I was like, oh, well, I really want to do a heavier band anyway. So I got together my two friends, May and Leopa, and I think we literally had two band practices, did two songs. I think I was playing an acoustic guitar at the time. I think this whole thing is on YouTube as well. And we were really, really bad, but it was so fun, honestly. It was like the best fun I've ever had and we just kind of went from there and I think I'm really happy that it like had such like 
I don't know, we weren't very good to start with. And I'm really proud of that because now the music's quite techy. But I think you've got to start somewhere. And I think it's, I'm really happy to be really public about that. And then the name actually came from, I think I was at a Laurie Penny talk about women and protest. Interesting. One of our former guests. Oh, really? I'm like kind of obsessed with her. I sent her a really weird email the other day telling her about like how much of an influence she is on like me and the band. That's cool. Um, So she probably thinks it's Listeners who are interested on (laughs) acast.com forward slash Very Loose Women, you can listen to our interview with Laurie Penny. And listeners who are interesting, come and be on our show anytime. You should tweet us at VRW Radio. (laughs) Very well well done. I'm totally going to check that out. (laughs) But yeah, she spoke about about uh, Les Petrolis, who are like these mythical women of the Paris Commune and then loosely translated it as Petrol Girls. And I remember just being like, oh my God, I need to call my band that. That's perfect. The, yeah. So the 1870, I asked this because I had a small obsession with not Laurie Penny, but the 1871 Paris Commune when I was, in, I was at school in France and I was living in Paris. And I just had this fascination of this. It was this period in French history. And I was like, why has no one told me about this before? And I was like 15, um, where Paris was like, it was under the siege from a, for, during the Franco-Prussian War and it just became democratic and communist just for a period of three months. But then they didn't let any food come in. So everyone like started getting really hungry and it kind of became a bit problematic. But it's just an amazing period of history. I yeah. did a bit of oh, Petrol Girls research and I also found out that they were women who threw petrol bombs in milk bottles. Yeah, Is that yeah. Right? yeah, and that's where our kind of first logo or band symbol or whatever came from and I actually went on an absolute mission it took me about a week to find a glass milk bottle in London it's just not a thing it was actually I ended up getting an orange juice bottle but I was like no it has to be the glass ones and then spray painted our name on it and made a little Molotov cocktail and that yeah took a photo of it and stuff and that's where our band thing comes from apparently glass bottles are making a comeback I heard that on Have I Got News For You yes milkmen are making Mm. a comeback Uh, yeah yeah in like history's London yeah what are your influences for your band do you have any like specific like heroes or heroines in terms of like old punk bands probably the slits like I read um, a book about them like a few years ago can I just say this is very interesting oh okay (laughs) because a former guest on our show with with Albertine yeah so you're really hitting all of our (laughs) I'm like I can't believe I've not been listening to this show like all the time like your previous guests like there's like five shows already where I'm like listening to all of these excellent it's going to be my mega bus journey thing from now on (laughs) so yeah I didn't want to interrupt you talking about slits but I did so I'm very sorry the slits was one of them yeah. I I think it just like reading that book or and also that film about Kathleen Hanna, the punk singer. You're not going to tell me you've had Kathleen Hanna on the show, okay? Because I would not. freak out about that <laughs> next week. I guess. <laughs> but like, I think all of those kind of like iconic bands that have like had women in that there is records of that and that I could access them and watch that documentary or read that book or whatever suddenly made it all seem loads more possible. And like that coupled with seeing like other women on stage, like I'm not sure I can even explain why, but it was really important for me to see other women doing it. And, And that was what, made me try and my friend Perky who's like now one of my best mates but I remember seeing her playing with a band called Resolution 242 when I was about I must have been like 16 17 and just thinking oh my god that's so cool she's so cool maybe I can try and do that and it kind of yeah went from there really 
I think someone that I think is really cool is Polystyrene from yeah. X-Ray Specs. But I feel like it's also, I kind of heard some of their music when I was maybe like 16 and just thought they were really cool. There's loads of saxophone, they're kind of punk, they're just like a really interesting band and she's really day glow. But I never really thought about like what she was like. And more recently I've kind of been reading about her and thinking like, she kind of had like a lot stacked against her being a woman of colour fronting a punk band For in like the sure. 70s. And like, that's pretty amazing. Do you have any punk heroines or heroes? Um, No. <laughs> that's a fair answer you most know, punk I didn't answer <laughs> yeah exactly the most punk thing you've done today <laughs> so in your band like what would you describe your sound as I guess in your band what's your kind of what's oh, your vibe it's a really annoying question isn't it I'm so bad at genres but I think what we're going for at the moment is just feminist post hardcore punk rock not post feminist hardcore <laughs> feminist post hardcore the order okay. of the words is important. That's that is okay. important. And like, do you have a kind of like on stage persona, do you think, that you adopt? Oh, so I was thinking about this loads recently because I don't think I have a conscious one. But like, I mean, I suffer from like different mental health problems with like depression and things like that. Even if I'm feeling super low, I can still get up and, and go on stage and you would not know anything was up. And I was thinking about this in terms of how other people in my music community react to me. And I think people react to me when I'm off stage like I am who I am on stage, which is super aggressive, super loud, super to the point and all of that. And I'm actually kind of shy and like not, I'm, I like talk a lot, but I'm not like mega confident. And it made me realise that, there is a persona thing there. That's cool. Yeah, because I was just going to say, like, do you think being in a band kind of allows you to express things which might otherwise be a kind of like difficult yes. or unpalatable? Yes. Okay. So much. So much. Like, I mean, for one, you've got a microphone. I think that there's so much, there's so many levels of privilege involved in it. I think because I've been involved in the same music community for such a long time. And so I've, I got really used to people just not really listening to me, having to be really loud or really, yeah, basically aggressive to get my point of view across especially about feminist stuff and now suddenly people think my band is kind of okay and I get given a microphone and a stage and like our guitarist has technical problems all the time so I get so much time to rant and bang on about stuff yeah I'm getting asked to do radio stuff like this like I get interviewed for stuff and I'm like whoa suddenly people care what I have to say like I don't know it's like it's super strange I think it's also just going back to what you're saying before, kind of interesting. Because I feel, I mean, obviously doing this show is not the same as being a singer in a punk band, mm. but like in terms of kind of turning up and like not really being in like the right frame of mind to do it and kind of like not feeling yeah. great. And then just being like, well, we've got to do a show because it's yeah. like a live broadcast and we just have to do it. And mm. then by the end of it, sometimes being like, oh, that was really great. And I'm you so glad I did it. Yeah. And like, it's like putting on a completely different like persona yeah. while you're doing it of like, well, I've just got to get this done and I've got to try and make it hopefully interesting and palatable to some sort of listener. But I also um, find that my persona obviously has changed like over this time that we've done it and I used to like because it was quite new I would adopt this like quite shy quirky character and that's that person's kind of like gone away what are you now <laughs> I don't know I think I'm more serious oh, no that's you don't think so? I'm still shy and quirky <laughs> no no that's fine <laughs> Okay, so we had a question sent in by a long-time listener, first-time caller, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Alice Moon of the band, world-renowned, sorry, Screaming Toenail, also my housemate. And she really wanted to know, how does your voice survive the constant screaming that you put it through? Well, maybe not constant screaming, but you know. At first, I'm super excited because Screaming Toenail are like one of my current favourite bands. Like, yeah, so this excites me a lot. But um, I guess like, hmm, whiskey is one thing when it gets really bad. 
I have a flask, like a tea flask, which I stew ginger in like constantly. That is like a dream. I think, I don't know, even when it's really bad and I can't really talk, like jumping around loads and flinging myself about really helps. And then like we've just recorded our first album, like our first full length. And this guy taught me like vocal warm ups. And that was a bit of a revelation and loads of fun because it just involves kind of running around the room and making really weird noises. But then my voice like lasted out for like a whole week screaming like six to eight hours a day which is the most cathartic thing in the world ever so yeah loads of different things really. makes me really want to be in a fun it's band. so fun i when like saying this, do I'm it like, oh, i want to do that like i was just thinking i did went to emma's house one night uh, she had to move out from her house and she had karaoke on and i got so into it it was so much fun <laughs> i'd never done so i'd always thought like oh karaoke is not cool i'm not gonna and then i went up and i was like doing like a song by blur and i was just like Amazing. oh my god this is the best thing ever but it's i realized that that's not punk but i'm quite sure that i <laughs> karaoke is so punk karaoke is so cool like it's the best I think I'd love that but I think I remember when I was about 13 I was like singing to myself in the, in the garden <laughs> sorry and you say you're not the quirky <laughs> go on pray tell um, but I got a really sore throat after that because I was singing really loudly um, so I don't know I don't know if I thing. would like stand exactly. up sometimes to, you like, have like a test of out. time as a punk singer yeah. yeah sometimes you have like a night out doing karaoke or whatever and then like the next day you're like oh my throat and I just think like have you if built I up a sing, resistance yeah, yeah for exactly. sure it gets stronger like the first tour I did which was an acoustic tour I lost my well the first show we played, I think we ended up at some house party. There were loads of people smoking. I don't smoke. I can't mm. handle smoking. And I completely lost my voice. Like, it was gone for, like, mm. a week. But now, I don't know, we play really smoky venues all around the Europe. mainland, and yeah. it's totally fine. So. Have you? Has your voice changed, like, spoken voice changed as a result of that? My singing voice has. Mm. Like, I used to be able to sing quite high, like, pure like, fairy sounds, mm. and that that's not possible anymore but I don't really mind like I can still sing acoustic so it's okay and I like singing as well as shouting so kind of talking about the maybe sort of more political slant to your music I know that during your show sometimes you kind of deliver a bit of a like short definition or explanation maybe of consent can you explain like how that came about and what kind of response you get from people do people have talked to you about it I think because I've got a really supportive group of feminist friends around me, we kind of started talking about sexual assault and things like that, which is an ongoing problem in the music community I'm part of, but also various political communities that I'm part of. And I think there's like this massive culture of silence around it, which especially in the punk community I'm part of, has really changed a lot over the past couple of years, especially with groups like Love, Sex, Hate, Sexism, who make flyers about consent, um, which we take around all the shows that we play. And I think just starting a conversation about it, because you're not, well, I wasn't taught about consent and sexual education at school. And I think it's it's a conversation that you have to have. And I think there are like really obvious things like no means no, but it goes further than that. Like understanding that, like don't try to do things to people when they're asleep and and all of this kind of stuff. And because like punk rock communities, like yeah, we like getting wasted, but like I have just as much right to get wasted without a fear of like horrible re like sexual repercussions as any guys do. So I feel really strongly that we need to have an ongoing conversation about it. And we just talk about it every time. And it's not going to go away anytime soon. I mean, I wish it would, but I will just keep talking about it. And we've written songs kind of about it now. There's a song on our new album called 
what, what have we called it? Touch Me Again. And like the end lyric is, oh, I can't swear on here, can I? You, touch, maybe in the touch context me, of music? Touch me in context of music. Yeah, like yeah, the end on. lyric is, well, the chorus lyric is, it's my body and my choice. And like the verse lyrics are all about kind of having control over your own body and like your own sexuality and things like that. And the end of it is just me shouting, touch me again and I'll fucking kill you. And it's the most cathartic thing in the world. It makes me so happy. I would yeah. sing along to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making patches. That's what my grandma got upset about on Instagram. My touch me again and I'll fucking kill you patches. Oh, that's a shame. I know. <laughs> Just like it's a sad, yeah, it's a shame. I'm sure it's a good message. I agree with the sentiment. Exactly. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. So is there like a particular song you feel proud of or like it means something important to you? I think we have one we're going to play. So oh, maybe, Slug. Yes. Yeah, so that's maybe I'll answer. explain. <laughs> Correct answer, Slug. Yeah, so Slug is off our EP Something, which is available online now on our Bandcamp. And we wrote it probably a year and a bit ago now. But when we first wrote it, the lyrics, I, I was super depressed. Like, I was really, really depressed. I don't, I don't think I realised how bad I was at the time. I don't think I ever really do. So the lyrics came from, like, a really subconscious place. And I wasn't really thinking about them very much. So I was writing them. They just kind of bleh out. Especially the go through the motion with no emotion part. That just came out. And then... When we were touring it over the summer, like some of the lyrics kind of surfaced more and I realised there was one in the verse which goes, the borders close, defences rise, hear no warmth in how some humans are described. And it made me realise that I'd been conscious of the whole media narrative around around borders and around migration while I'd been really low, but I hadn't been in like a, a mind space to really deal with that politically. But as we toured over the summer and I was starting to feel better about myself and things like that, I kind of realised the political significance of, of that song. And it, it kind of like, it's really weird, but it kind of pushed me into getting more involved with that sort of stuff. Like I've always held like quite strong views about borders and things like that just through the punk community that I've been part of since I was really young. Mm. But I'd never been actively involved in that. So it kind of pushed me to go to Calais and kind of get involved with things out there. And then I think in about November, we decided to make a music video for it. And we used footage that I'd taken on my mobile phone, like around the camps, like not of anybody, obviously, but just of kind of textures and, and things within the camp itself, but also the journey to and from the camp, which is something that is really different for me as a person with a passport. But just kind of coming back into the UK and passing those white cliffs and and things like that, like that's mm. become like a really different experience for me now. I think in Calais as well, the enormous fences. That, oh, I mean, that, so that's much. what's so striking to me every time I go is, and every time I go, there seem to be more of them. The camp is obviously, it's got its own very distinct layout, which I don't think you can see really anywhere else apart from maybe Dunkirk, the kind of architecture of Calais is so, is now it's so, these fences are so integral to it. Yeah. They're so striking. They're so violent. Like mm. it's just structural violence, but like physically there. Yeah. Should we have a listen to the song?
Plug by Petrogirls. From interviews and through songs like Big Man, it sounds like you kind of feel maybe women, especially young women, are often kind of patronised or maybe belittled into believing they can't make music or can't do things like engineer their shows or things like that. How do you think we can like kind of fight against that? Yeah, that was definitely my experience as a young woman within the punk rock community. And it's really interesting to see how like people have changed their like attitude towards me when I don't really feel like I'm any different. So I find that really strange. Um, I think it's about dismantling the hierarchy that's inherent in like so much of the music community, even stuff like I wanted to try doing like promoting shows where people do rock, paper, scissors to decide the lineup and things like that. I think all the hierarchy around that, like I don't care how big someone's band is. It doesn't mean that I think they're like less accountable for their behavior or like super cool or like some people I've met who are in really big bands are just like super boring. Like I find like the hierarchy around it all a really problematic route of a lot of things. But then there's like these really positive initiatives. Like my friend Jacka does something called Jam on Your Hands, which is awesome. I really want to go to one of them because I want to try doing percussion. But yeah, check out Jam on Your Hands and also First Timers. I've been to Jam on on Your Hands. I've been to one of those. It was really good. good. I actually got really drunk and ended up playing the keyboard. Amazing. (laughs) Don't play the keyboard. And you remembered like three days later. Yeah, for people who who maybe don't know what it is, it's Mm. a kind of like, there'll be like a house band that comes and plays like a bit of a set. And then basically, anyone in in the audience and it kind of is like mainly aimed at like women or non-binary people can come and just jam on stage basically and people bring instruments and everyone just like jams together and it's just like a very kind of it was really safe fun and welcoming yeah. and nice place to be. So cool. Speaking of DIY space, have you got anything you to say about coming that? up? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, seventeenth of June, um, we're playing at DIY space with our friends Joliet from Mexico, who we're on tour with, and the Autonomads and our friends Werecats. So exciting gig! Please come because we're putting it on ourselves. That's DIY space in Queens Road, Peckham, Bermondsey. How does music kind of form a part of your activism, and how did you? kind of first get involved in activism I I can't place like which came first but they've always been completely tied up for me I think like music is the like I don't know songwriting is part of my actual activism like because it like lyrics will come out subconsciously and then it provokes me into doing things but also I will write lyrics as a result of my activism and things like that the whole community is well it's meant to be really politicized it isn't always sometimes i think it forgets that part of itself in places but i guess there's more precise things like say big man as a song is is like performing that i find a form of activism because it's me kicking back at all of the big men that made me feel like i couldn't front a band or that like my voice wasn't important and things like that do you feel like people who kind of come to your shows then come up to you afterwards and say like oh that really resonated with me because do you have that kind of response for people yeah I talked to a lot of people after our shows like I talked to a lot of women a lot of women who've had like really awful experiences of sexual assault and things like that which can be quite overwhelming but like I would never want anyone to like stop doing that and actually it's good for me as well to like to share those experiences but also we talk about mental health on stage and that affects everybody and sometimes I feel like a touring therapist but like it's okay like I would rather that we had conversations Mm. 
about this stuff. I think silence is one of the things that keeps those kind of oppressions in place. And like through talking about it, that's a start. Um, I also wanted to kind of ask you about your art as well, because I think you've got a kind of project that you're working on or that's coming together at the moment. Yeah, Do you want to talk about that? I've got my flags. Um, <laughs> so I am acquiring flags. If you have any flags, I would really like them, like national flags. Um, and I'm basically cutting them up and rearranging them according to colour and I want to do this with groups of people in public spaces so that if you were just walking down the street you'd come across a bunch of people just sat in a public space with a load of different national flags just cutting them up rearranging them according to colour like I I can't even say what it's called because I can't swear on ever it's like nation um, screwing um, and I think <laughs> very delicately done I think your ground would improve <laughs> exactly but I think it's uh, for me like a way of questioning things like flags and nations and borders and all of these structures that exist that we totally take for granted that are completely mad they're just completely insane is the bottom line of it for me do cool. you find that the touring um is a way because you're physically moving between these spaces that's kind of emphasized that point for you yes so much and like one is like the privilege of being able to tour and having a passport and then the other thing is um, me and my friend Clemence who makes really really awesome art thinking about this idea of like a nomadic art practice because I don't really live anywhere at the moment I move around loads and like the flag project can fold down super small it's hand luggage size like way smaller than that so it's about making art that's not always whopping sculptures which is what I used to make it's like stuff that you can take places and it's more about the conversations you have around it than the object itself Ren really quickly you've also been flowering for the Sex Workers Opera we're hoping to have some cast and crew on our show but just the information is on from the 17th and 29th of May in Pleasance London um, it's been described by the Sun as racy and by Classic FM as incredible so thank you so much for coming on the show Ren and uh, follow us at VLW Radio this programme was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.